Welcome to this special live stream broadcast this evening to Liverpool, a really important 60 minutes ahead. Uh, it's a special mayor Q&A uh, with Liverpool City Council and us at The Guide Liverpool. My name is Jay Hine. Delighted to be with you. Uh, wish it was under better circumstances this evening. Uh, listen, we know there's, there's so many questions out there right now in Liverpool and the wider Liverpool City region uh, with just five hours to go until we hit one minute past midnight and enter this new level, this new tier of local lockdown that the government enforced just yesterday. Uh, we've got a great panel, loads of people to chat to, loads of guests to get their reaction over the next 60 minutes, of course, led by the Mayor of Liverpool, Joe Anderson. Uh, so the panel, as I mentioned, Mayor of Liverpool, he's had a busy seven days speaking to central government uh, leading up to Monday's announcement. But as well, we got we got some other guests as well. Uh, we got Paul Shephow from Liverpool Chamber of Commerce. So any business related questions uh, you can direct to Paul. Looking forward to chatting to him very soon. As well, if you've got any health concerns at the moment, like again, I know we all have. If you want to ask a question maybe about the virus, about symptoms, about test and trace, about hospital admissions, uh, then we've got Dr. Fiona Lemmings with us to take those questions. You must have seen a video doing the rounds on social media over the weekend. Natalie Haywood, uh, Managing Director, Founder of LEAF, which we all know and love in Liverpool. Of course, Bold Street, Smithdown Road, West Kirby as well on the Wirral, and oh me, oh my. We're going to be chatting to Natalie after that interview she did with Channel 4 News, which again, I'm sure you've seen. I'm a little bit starstruck as well by someone who's on this panel this evening. We've got DJ Youssef with us as well. He's going to be talking about the nighttime economy, the effects it's had on the events industry, and as well, mental health. He's a big advocate for mental health. We're going to start, of course, uh, with, with Mayor of Liverpool, Joe Anderson. Uh, Joe, firstly, j just tell us what you want to get from this evening, what you want to get from these next 60 minutes and what, what you want Liverpool to get from this. Well, firstly, thanks for uh, agreeing to just to host the, the event. I think for me, it's important that given that we are in, uh, as you said, uh, a sort of uncharted territory and the position that we're in in the city. You know, we've been in difficult times for uh, many, many years, over many decades in, in my lifetime. But this is that we face with COVID problems that we face are genuinely unprecedented. And, and it was an opportunity because there's a lot of misinformation, a, a lot of, uh, or lack of information in general uh, out there about what tier three means, how did we get here? And I thought it was important for me to be able to uh, talk to the public, see if any questions that I can answer, but equally uh, to have a panel who can also question me and also respond to some of the questions so I guess, you know, what I want out of it is for people to have a better understanding of where we are, uh, why we're here, uh, and what is, if you like, the, the exit plan. What is it we're looking at? What is it we're going to try and do? And how we are trying to protect lives, but protect livelihoods. Uh, as, as we speak, Jay, the situation in Liverpool, and then I'll pause, but if I just give you, you know, the current situation that our... Uh, 3,200 cases of COVID in the city of Liverpool as we speak. There's been 26 deaths over the last seven days. There are now 300 people in our hospitals. We are the UK's highest in terms of admissions into our hospitals, the third highest in Europe, uh, and things aren't getting uh, any better at all. 600 new cases in the last seven days. And the prediction and the trajectory is that it's doubling 
every six or seven days. So for me, doing nothing is not an option. And of course, doing nothing from the government's point of view was not an option. We knew uh, around about a week ago, 10 days ago, and they were talking about the new tier structures that they were introducing, that Liverpool would be, uh, along with others, considered for tier three, the strictest uh, measures. But with that tier three uh, placement, where we've been placed in by central government, comes a host of measures and closures of businesses and more forced on businesses within the city. So it's important for people to understand that these measures being passed by Parliament tonight as we speak are what come alongside Tier 3. And whether we like it or whether we don't, the figures, the data, the information that I've just given you about hospital administrations and what's real concerns about the ability of our hospitals here in the city to cope, governments have decided to place us in that Tier 3 category with all of those resulting consequences. Yeah, well, how, how did we get here? Because, you know, just, just a few months ago, it, it felt like we, we were on the way out of this. Certainly in Liverpool, everything was right. We were sticking to measures. There were some great things put into place but by the city as a whole. How have we got to this point? Well, I think there's a number of things, Jay. And one of them, of course, is that it was predictable. Because as the, you know, the summer period ended, if you like, and people were going back to work, the schools were returning. University students were coming back into, into our city. Higher education in general was open. And there was more of a relaxation. Government was saying, you know, go back to work. Don't be worried about it now. Uh, the economy is important. Get back to work. So as the human contact increased, the virus increased because the virus thrives on human contact. So it was inevitable that we would see that increase. I think where we look at, for instance, because people often ask me about, well, why hasn't Manchester gone into the tier three and Liverpool has? Well, Manchester's figures are different than ours. Manchester's figures are mainly based around the 17 to 23, 24 year olds. Uh, and if you take those students out of it, their figures drop right down. With ours, it doesn't ours stay uh, stubbornly high because it's across different age sectors. So I guess that's why it's increased because of that mix, uh, because of the population interacting with each other. And the fact that, you know, in parts of this city, we have huge uh, swathes of the city in some of the poorest areas of the city where we've got terraced housing. And so people are cheek by jowl with people, people, you know, going about the business, dropping the kids off for school, gathering, going into shops, going into other places. So it's natural that the virus has spread. But we've seen it spread to the extent that it's causing serious strain on the National Health Service, not just on the buildings and the structures themselves, but on our staff. Joe, uh, you know, uh, again, you have lots of work over this. You've, you've been working with the government over the past seven days. Tell us what's been happening behind the scenes. And, and you know, there's, there's a lot on social media at the moment about what you didn't do, for instance. Just tell us and put it into your words. What's the past seven days been like for you dealing with the government? Well, on night we started uh, talking to the government. who asked us to join them to talk about the position that Liverpool was in with regards to the infection rates and what they felt was an uncontrollable virus putting pressure on the NHS and hospitals. And they wanted to talk to us about that and the fact that they were going to place us in, in, in tier three. So we had to have that conversation. But let's be clear. Let's be absolutely clear. 
that the government made it clear to us on Friday that they were putting us into Tier 3. What we then had discussions with was about how we do track and trace, how we work with them to improve track and trace and bring in army personnel, back office staff to help us with that. We also uh, wanted to talk about uh, enforcement and how, how we could enforce that and support uh, where it was necessary, the closure uh, of some of the businesses. Government insisted that, that the measures that they were introducing, that was the closure of pubs, the closure of gyms, the closure of bookmakers, the closure of casinos, they were their decisions. They were non-negotiable. We couldn't negotiate anything with them. I made the point about gymnasiums, saying in my view, gymnasiums were reasonably safe, that you go to a gymnasium, you go there dressed, you go in, you go on your gym for an hour, you come off, it's all cleaned down, you go out. In actual fact, somebody said to me, you know, when they come out of the gym, they felt more safe in there than going in Tesco, where people were walking around without masks on. So I get all of that. I understand that. I understand, for instance, why gyms are important, not just to people's physical health, but the mental health. The reality is we had no choice. Governments have passed the legislation or are passing the legislation as we speak. And within that legislation, within that tier, is what they are setting out to do. Not what Joe Anderson wants to do, Steve Rotherham, or any of the other leaders. It's what they wanted and what they have said is going to happen. So, you know, we discussed with them um, the financial situation with regards to furlough and the impact that it's having on our businesses who have not created this. Let's be clear. Our businesses have not created the situation. So we said to them, if you're going to close businesses in Liverpool, like pubs, keep restaurants at 10 o'clock and close uh, the gymnasiums and, the, and, and those, that they need full financial compensation, a package of compensation that protects them and allows them to stay open and come back after the month of, of lockdown, but also enables them to pay their staff. We argued that really hard every single day, every single opportunity. Uh, it got that nauseating for them to hear me repeating that message over and over again, that on Saturday afternoon, late Saturday afternoon, I was told, don't talk about it anymore. The Chancellor and the Prime Minister have made the decision that the furlough, what they've announced, is exactly what's going to stay. And that's it. So, you know, we're trying to work as the combined authorities around the local authorities to come up with a package ourselves where we're using some money, some underspend, what we call capital funding, to support businesses within the city region, 40 million. So we're going to be doing that. But let's, again, Jay, the discussions and the debate were not, you know, sort of a debate about how we nuanced their, you know, what they were going to do. That was not non-negotiable. Those things that I've just said to you were non-negotiable. The only things that we were able to negotiate was the track and trace system, was about um, making sure that we can have better enforcement and employ people to actually help us with enforcement, and also about the budgets and about the lack of money coming in as a result of COVID to help the city meet its requirements to keep services going next year, and we got an agreement off them for extra finances for that. So, Joe, just to clarify then, because, again, there's, there's lots on social media about this. We're, we're going to talk loads about gyms throughout this next 60 minutes, and please do get your questions in if you've got one. Um, you did not make that decision to close gyms. That wasn't a local decision, like some people are saying. I've just told you, Jay, I argued against it, you know, and, and I gave that example. I, I gave that example 
about feeling a guy saying to me he felt safer in the gym than he did going into his local supermarket. They were not listening. Let me tell you what I said to them. I said to them, give us the evidence or the proof where gyms are, are uh, a spreader of the virus. Can we have the data? I said, because the data and the information that I'm getting from our public health officials is quite simply this. The 25% of the virus is spread through schools and higher education and the education system. 25% is spread through people contact out in the high streets in the communities. Yeah, 25% is spent in the workforce where people are in work. And 25% in the gyms. I said, so why are you targeting the gyms? Why are you targeting the hospitality sector? Because it was the hospitality sector as well as gyms, the 25%. And I was told quite clearly, no intention of closing schools, no intention of closing retail. So the only area that they could go for was the hospitality sector, and that includes gyms. So their decision was already made up. In the same way, their decision was already made up that Liverpool and the Liverpool City region would be placed in Tier 3. I can't stress that strongly enough. You know, I've had people talking on social media about coming to my house, uh, you know, demonstrating outside my house about other people. The decision to do what they've done, put us in Tier 3, with the measures that are in Tier 3, were not my decision, Steve Rotherham's decision, or any other leader in the city region's decision it was theirs okay. Joe one more question and we need to put this this to bed we're going to bring in Fiona in, in just a second again I, I hate to go back to social media but it's something that is doing the rounds and and you know has been gaining momentum the past few days a few weeks ago you you, you made a statement to put you wanted to put us into local lockdown and you wanted to do a circuit breaker a lot of people upset over that you know it, this is your opportunity to, to explain what did you mean by that? And what did you want to happen? Why did you want the second breaker for Liverpool? Six weeks ago, the infection rate was around about 90 people a week that were getting the infection. Today, 634 people per week are getting the infection. Every single day, almost, every certainly every single week, I've been giving out real strong messages about please, please follow the advice, follow the guidance social distance keep what we've seen the people weren't following that when it was getting to the stage that we were becoming overwhelmed and we were and we are because the challenge for us to bring the virus under control wasn't being won i actually called for a circuit break and i called for that just just over three weeks ago i said we needed a two-week lockdown to help us stop the virus from spreading and to stop it and start to bring the r rate down I personally believe if we'd have done that, we'd now be in a better position and we'd only be in Tier 2. But that was, you know, poo-pooed at the time. People said no. In interestingly enough, the Labour leader nationally has called for a two- to three-week lockdown today. And, of course, the scientists like Chris Whitty are saying that four weeks ago, he told the government that they, there needed to be not a Tier 3, but a two-week to three-week lockdown so that we could bring the virus under control. So that's why I call for it. My responsibility, Jay, in this city is the health and well-being, as well as the economic well-being of everybody. And when I see our hospitals getting overwhelmed, when I see the pleas and the calls that I get from health officials and health practitioners and health professionals 
who are telling me how overwhelmed they are and how difficult it is for staff to cope. And as I said to you, you know, we are talking about 300 people now in our hospital. You know, there's people out there who are saying this doesn't exist, this virus. People out there are saying that we should just leave it alone and not do anything about it. That's not that's not responsible leadership. And I'll always take tough decisions that I believe are the right decisions for this city. They mightn't be agreed with 100% of the people. And I'm hopeful that I'll be proved right in terms of that we'll be able to come through this very, very quickly. I hope within a month that we'll be able to prove to government that the figures are starting to come down and that we will be able to come out of these measures even before the month review is up. That's my determination to try to get us through this. And if everybody does the same, if everybody out there does the same, passes that message of follows those rules, we might be able to, to do that sooner than later, Jane. Okay, chat to our guests. Uh, starting with Dr. Fiona Lemons, uh, Chair of Liverpool's Clinical Commissioning Group and also GP in Aintree Park. How are you, Fiona? I'm good, thank you, Jay. Fiona, just, just tell us what life is like right now, this week in Liverpool's hospitals. Um, what's it like for our doctors, for our nurses right now in Liverpool? It's really tough for them. I think they had a really tough time at the beginning of the year when the pandemic started, but there was a real spirit of, you know, we can pull together and we can get through this. I think the prospect for them of going back to where we were in April and May and having to deal with those horrible situations where people were dying every day without their family near them. And the thought of that going on through the winter when they're already every year busier in the winter is really taking a toll on staff they themselves are subject to the lockdown um, rules and regulations and they're subject to infection as well so at the moment there's about 11% of staff off sick from the hospital that then that's really high so usually hospitals run around about four to five percent sickness level Um, a good seven percent of that is down to covid Um, and so they're they're short-staffed they're working under pressure Um, And they can see that things are going to get worse before they get better because we know that there is a lag time between these admissions. So 40 to 50 admissions to hospital every day. These patients stay in hospital, the COVID patients, they stay for quite a long time, even if they recover. Um, And so they're, they're only able to discharge between 10 and 20 each day. So the numbers are going up every day and about 10% of them are ending up needing support with their breathing, ending up in ITU. Okay. Fully expect that in the next week to 10 days, those death figures sadly are going to start going up. So we really do need people to take it seriously. Fiona, there's a bit of a myth out there that, that, you know, to get this virus and to be hospitalised with this virus, then you've got to be of a certain age or you've got to have serious health conditions. Tell us about some of the patients that that are in Liverpool hospitals right now and have been in a serious condition with COVID-19. So we know that it is worse when you are older. However, my colleagues in hospital have been telling me about younger patients um, who are um, having, perhaps not dying, but having calls in hospital in ITU. And for whatever reason you're in ITU, you, you, have, you have to be really sick to get there. Um, and even if you recover, you can be left with a lot of long-term consequences because of it. So myself, I've spoken to patients when they've come out of hospital and who eight, nine, 10, 12 weeks later are still feeling 
tired, breathless, difficulty concentrating, not able to go back to their normal normal activities. And these are young working age people. Um, so really, it, it's a myth that it's only affecting the older population. Okay. Uh, as well as Fiona, we, we've got Paul Schipau from Liverpool Chamber of Commerce with us. How are we, Paul? Evening, Jay. Paul, what, what, what's it like now? Obviously, you know, you represent a lot of businesses within Liverpool. What's the mood? And it's probably a stupid question within <laughs> this community this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty grim to be perfectly honest. I think um, I don't want to simply repeat what what Joe talked about, but there's a lot of frustration um, bordering on anger for a lot of a lot of business owners, particularly those in the hospitality sector. Um, I don't want to steal any any of Natalie's thunder either, because uh, I, I know she's going to speak very very shortly. But I think the key th- the key things for us and you know chambers of commerce represent businesses up and down the country in their localities and centrally to to, to central government as well. And you know, the, 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 the issue about gyms is just part of the, of the challenge that we have when we look at which businesses are being shut down. And it's simply understanding the evidence behind that. Why are certain businesses being shut down and others aren't? And particularly with, with the likes of gyms, as, as Joe has said, you know, the, the, there's a considerable issue there when you, when you think about physical and mental health, and, uh, which is already a, a particularly difficult situation at the moment. Um, so it's about you know, almost having the open book around the evidence. Why, why are certain businesses be, being closed? Um, so many businesses have, have invested in making sure that they can be COVID safe um, throughout leisure and hospi- hospitality. And it's worth emphasizing, you know, 50,000 people are employed in, in, in the visitor economy here in the city region. Um, and it's the largest proportion of private sector employment in the city as well. So it has big ramifications when you know, large parts of it are shut down. Um, the efforts made by the local leaders to you know, keep restaurants open was you know, a partial win. But of course, the challenge then is around those who are forced to close and those who uh, are able to continue trading, but not able to generate the amount of income that they normally would. And what we need to see, in addition to the evidence base behind this, is ultimately what kind of support will be coming its way. The £40 million locally uh, will, will, will be of, uh, you know, a big help, but with the best will in the world, in addition to the job um, the, the the Chancellor's latest furlough scheme, he's also talking about £3,000 a month for, for businesses for other operating costs, which with the best will in the world is hardly going to touch the sides when you think about the likes of rent, rates, you know, overhead costs, etc. Um, so there's some really big questions to ask about, you know, how can we ensure that our, our businesses in our visitor economy can sustain themselves through what we hope will be a relatively short term economic shock. And that brings me to the third point, which fundamentally is about how do we get out of this tier three restrict, restrictive base? Um, you know, for businesses to be able to plan at this point in time, particularly in the run-up to Christmas, for those in the visitor economy, you know, they make the bulk of their of their money uh, in in that Christmas period. And at this point in time, of course, it's massively up in the air as to whether Christmas will be able to happen in quite the same way. So there's some real, real chal- economic challenges here. I'd just like to, to to put some context into it because sometimes these kind of arguments are, are positioned as it's health versus the economy, and it's not. And, you know, in our business, one of our apprentices, you know, um, their grandparent um, died over the weekend of COVID. Um, so it's very, very real, this situation. And I don't think there's any suggestion that um, COVID, the danger of COVID isn't being taken seriously. It absolutely is. What we need to make sure is that our 
our economy and our businesses can sustain themselves over this really, really difficult period so that they come, come out on the other, other side when we're ready to relaunch uh, the economy and kick on with like the city's economic recovery plan and building some of the, some of the fantastic uh, opportunities in health and life sciences and all, the, all, all these you know, really, really great industries that, that are, are cropping up in this is a really system, uh, within our business ecosystem. But we can only build an economic recovery if we have a baseline of the to, to, to sustain itself. So we've got to get through this period. And I think that probably the number one issue at this point in time for everyone, for businesses, for the population, is not knowing at what point we can manage to get ourselves out of this tier three situation, but also get to some semblance of normality. We're kind of banking, aren't we, on the development of a vaccine or some other mitigating um, uh, uh, intervention. And we simply don't know when that's going to be. So we need to find a way ultimately of living with the, with this particular uh, particular problem. And what we need to make sure is we've got some really robust plans, you know, you know localized test and trace that is really effective. Uh, we need to bring our citizens on side with that, you know, bring them back into you know into the team, and really sort of uh, counter some of the challenges that have undoubtedly been created by so many mixed messages, U-turns, and and frankly terrible communication from central government over the past four or five weeks. Um, it's a really difficult position that we find ourselves in. There is a brighter future, but we've got to get through this really difficult period. Okay, Paul, we're going to, we're going to put the first question to you. We'll bring Joe into this as well from, from chat box this evening. Uh, what's the one thing that the government could do right now that would support the city? Uh, for, for, for me, it's um, it's it's clarifying it's clarifying those, those three points. But I think um, the provision of adequate um, financial support for businesses over the short term is is the number one priority. Look, if you haven't got cash you haven't, as a business, you haven't got a business. And ultimately, as I said, you know, the employment figures in the, in the visitor economy are absolutely stark. And I think if there's one measure of, in, of intervention that would help it is in an enhanced financial package, which could be matched with the local funds that are, that, that are there and have been you know, put on standby for this particular situation. Okay. Joe, what are your thoughts on that? What, what could they do right now that, that could, could have a, a real effect, you know, in terms of the next few days in Liverpool? What could central government do? It is a question of having a financial package and, and, and you know, then, then we need to sort of then look at that sort of umbrella effect how the financial package works and, and and the reality is is that you know there are a number of areas that desperately need that support and Paul touched a little bit on, on the hospitality sector but we know that the ecosystem around the hospitality sector for instance if a restaurant is going to be staying open until 10 o'clock but it's got no pubs around it well people won't go to the restaurant because there's no pubs so it's an ecosystem isn't it and, and there are many many things like the taxis and the taxi drivers uh, the, the independent businesses, all of those people that are impacted and affected by this. And that's why it's important that the financial package is recognised and needed uh, to be in place. What I can't understand is, and it's a, again, it's a, the consistency and, and clarity and lack of message importance of, of that clear, clear, consistent message, is in March when we started the national lockdown, we had a national furlough scheme at a rate that wasn't great, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad either. And now we've got a system where we've got a local lockdown that they've created and they're insisting that that happens. And yet we haven't got the same generosity in the financial furlough scheme. We've got to have that. We simply have got to that. You know, if we are saying to 
the hospitality sector workforce who are on low pay anyway, you know, we're going to give you two thirds of your wages. The, the, the rent's not going down by, by a third or the, or the weekly shop bill's not going down by a third or the lecky or the gas bill's not going down by a third. And so it just shows the disconnect between, you know, the government, central governments and ordinary working people. So it's a financial package, Jay, but, but allowing us maybe to then filter that through, filter that down. Okay, so it's a great opportunity to bring Natalie in here, Joe. So I'll do that. Uh, Natalie, founder, owner of Leaf, which again, we, we all know and love in the city of Liverpool. Natalie, this financial package we spoke about and this, this kind of next phase of the furlough scheme, is that going to help you? Oh, dear. I, I, I think for those that remain open, the restaurants, um, I think they need a financial package because everybody is trading at a below break-even position. So the cash that is in the bank is ultimately going to run out. And I feel that the restaurants that do remain open have been a little bit forgotten in this equation because you could argue that being closed as a pub is a better scenario. Hibernating business, getting a three grand contribution to your overheads and making sure that the employees have at least two thirds of their wage is a better scenario than a restaurant that hasn't really got anybody coming through the door, has had to suffer all of the restrictions like the 10 p.m., the rule of six, no mixing, alcohol with food, and, and is ultimately going to end up having a lot of zero-hour staff with no hours. So they're not even on two-thirds, are they? They've got nothing. And because the job, the job support scheme that's been put in place, which Rishi Sunak keeps talking about, is all smoke and mirrors, really. We have worked out that if we put a minimum minimum waged uh, member of staff into that job support scheme, uh, it would cost us, instead of costing us, say, £9, it would cost us £15 an hour for that person to be effective in our business. So this job support scheme that Rishi Sunak keeps talking about, nobody in their right mind is going to use it. So we've got a situation where we've got restaurants open, trading at below break even with absolutely no help whatsoever to keep their staff going. And we've got a situation where people are being closed down. They've got only three grand towards the overheads and the staff are expected to work to live on, on two thirds of their wage. So neither outcome is ideal. It's, it's a lose-lose in every, 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 every way you look, really. We're seeing at the minute, Natalie, lots of restaurants just choosing to close uh, and they've made that decision. They've took it upon themselves to close the doors because for them, it's it's not financially viable for them. Uh, I'm sure you can understand the theories behind that, but it's just so sad to see, isn't it, that that help isn't there and, and we're losing some of our great restaurants, which we've become famous for now in Liverpool. Absolutely. And I, I think there's a lot, you know, I've woken up this morning and I have got more questions than I've got answers at the moment. I have got five hybrid multi-use venues that are neither restaurant nor bar. So I haven't got a clue what I'm meant to be doing next. I've got a wedding venue that has been told it can't have wedding receptions. It's not a bar and it's not a restaurant. So I've got no clue what to do and I don't know where to go for the answers. I've got Leaf on Bold Street, which is its revenue is split equally between tea, alcohol, food, but it has got a 2am license. We do have doorman on the on the door. We do do gigs. Is it a bar? Is it a restaurant? Who knows? And I have that across the whole portfolio. And there's a lot of hybrid venues in our city that haven't got a clue what they should be doing right now. Um, and we don't really know where to go for the answer. 
it, it, it's 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 a really there's no detail everything is vague and people are we're losing Natalie there, but Joe, I'll bring you in on that because because it was a good point in, in terms of restaurants yeah. and bars. We've got so many venues in Liverpool that, that could be classed as a restaurant. We're not, we're not getting guided. Joe, yeah. so I'll bring you straight in after after that. What, 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 no, what do you no. say to Natalie in terms of that restaurant and bar kind of uh, distinction? No, 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 absolutely. I can understand Natalie's frustration around that. The orders are getting passed through Parliament today. We get told about them and then we'll be able to disseminate them and pass them out. When we get to know, we hope to be able to do some FAQs, some you know questions that, that we can give the answer to, Natalie. But I understand how frustrating it is. And that, that point that you made, the excellent point you made about the hybrid situation, it, it is what, what's a restaurant, what's a pub, what's a pub, what's a restaurant in terms of the hotel, how you put on, on events, whether you can do weddings. We just don't know. We just don't know. The only conversations we had with this government was about what they were going to be introducing in terms of the things that they set out, the casinos, the bookmakers, the pubs um, and the gymnasiums. That was the only conversations that, that, that we had with them. They didn't go into details about the, the minutiae of the detail that you need, businesses need. Uh, Joe, we've had a question from, from Caroline on the chat on, on Zoom, but it's, it's a great question. The government ordered conversations just finished yesterday, and Caroline asks, "Are you still trying to improve this furlough scheme for the city?" Yeah, absolutely, we are. Uh, absolutely, we are, and, and, and we're trying to uh, use all of the information that we're getting back from yourselves, from businesses, and from other people, is that they might be able to uh, give us some financial support, extra to support businesses, to see uh, if they can do that in a way without increasing the furlough scheme, because what they don't want to do is increase the furlough scheme for everybody, and they want to try and do it into tier three uh, measures. But let me just make a point, and again, it's important for people, uh, I think, Jay, to understand that the, the things that we were demanding and asking for across the city region, the business grants that were allocated under the last tranche of furlough and, and the business grant support, there's an underspend within the Liverpool city region of around about 40 million there's an underspend it wasn't used people didn't claim it so we've asked can we use it we said can we ring fence that to give to businesses now the businesses that desperately need that support and of course you know what we've got is a lot of waffle well there's others that have overspent and i said well we're not talking about others we're talking about the underspend here in the liverpool city region of 40 million can we have it to match it with our 40 million so we're still trying to persuade what, what did they say to that joe they said no they, they said no because their argument was that there was overspends within that system in other places and i said well that's an issue for them what we're saying is it was ring fenced for the liverpool city region so allow us to actually use it so i'm not 100 percent confident but i'm confident we're going to get something to use out of that that can top up that 40 million and what i'm saying to you natalie as well is that you know the restaurants that are struggling the restaurants that are in that position, you know, we're not because you're not closed going to say we're not going to help you. We'll be able to use some of this money to support the restaurants as well. What we've got to try to do is get as, as many businesses as we can to stay open and to keep the staff on as we can. You know, we've got this government talking about retraining people. I want them to spend the money now to keep people in employment rather than talking about retraining. And that's the... The frustrating thing for me is they're not listening 
to the messages, the simple, clear, common sense messages that we're trying to give them. Okay. The, um, the, the, sorry, just to say, the, this job support scheme where, you know, the uh, employee pays a third, the government pays a third, and they work a third of their hours. Any, any hospitality uh, or any restaurant that remains open and, and is then on that scheme from the 1st of November or uh, is simply not going to use it. So what's going to happen is that potentially that the hospitality venue is just going to let the staff go because it's cheaper to let the staff go and either rehire or use all your salaried staff, for instance. But all of those zero-hour staff where you have no commitment for hours, they're just going to go because that scheme does not work. It doesn't, it doesn't work in any scenario. And then what happens is they claim universal credit and the state has to pay them universal credit. So instead of intervening now and allowing us to pay them to keep them on, it's just yeah. economic madness, economic madness. I Joe, agree. We, we, we've got to talk, um, you know, there's a group of people, Forgotten Limited, I'm sure you've seen on, on social media, uh, self-employed people who haven't had any help at all uh, throughout this. We've got a question from Susie. Will there be any support from our local council for self-employed performers and anyone else, in fact, who's self-employed? Well, we're going to, you know, clearly everybody's looking to the council, everybody's looking to, to us to try to see what we can fund. You know, we've still got a, a deficit, a budget deficit, and we've still got massive uh, deficits to find for next year, although they've gave us a commitment that they're going to help us manage that budget for, ne for next year. But, but we will try to look at everything that we can do to help the self-employed and to help especially because as you rightly said it's not just a question of you know the hospitality sector it's it is the hotels it's the independent hotels it, it's the it's the taxi drivers it's the people who work in the arts and cultural sector it, it's it's people who, who can't work in the theatres it's actors it's people it's right across the board and i get that that's why i'm saying there's an ecosystem and we can do uh, what we can with the money we've got. My point is I'm trying to get as much money as I can to try and help as many as we can. Okay, it's a great opportunity there to, to bring in Youssef. Um, Youssef, obviously, you know, performer, music, you've been a massive name in, in the club scene in the city for many, many years. You put events on, you're, you're an event promoter. Your 2020, the music stopped all of a sudden in March, didn't it? Just explain in your words what it's been like for you. Hi, Jay. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, things stopped. In, look, my last gig was probably the end of February. And it wasn't just uh, my DJ touring career that stopped. It was my event circus, the record label circus recordings that runs parallel that suffered from those two things not happening, the, the events and, and my DJ touring. So it's gone from um, like a three buoyant businesses to almost zero. I've, I've done my best to kind of be, stimulate the record label through um, making music that's probably more accessible to non-club environments, if you like, Spotify and iTunes and stuff. And it's, it, it's starting to take a little bit of traction, but it's like pennies. It's not, it's not like an income. But positive, we've managed to, um, myself and Richard, my business partner, Circus, uh, we've managed to keep our staff on um, by paying through from our own pockets and just to keep the, the momentum up really because we were ready for six months when we got told okay in March things are over we have to wait it's going to be three weeks it's going to be four so we kind of buttoned down the hatches and kept kept going for a while the kicker came when the second six month scenario was uh, introduced and we were like okay so it's been 
up until yesterday when we managed to get some some support finally um it, it's been precarious as such and circus is looking to get a grant um my dj and who knows when it's going to be back of course that's been a 20 20 odd year kind of put you know play the last major gig was it's like 25,000 people in mexico and now there's nothing but that's all cool my, my, my main concern is not necessarily about myself it's about um well, I guess the people that have formed through the cracks is what Joe mentioned earlier on. You know, the back back uh, room staff, the back line staff, the techies, the the roadies, the the people who who bring in um, the security. You know, the the caterers, all these people that we have at our, our events that are not able to be supported by any sort of government situation. Um, that seems to be uh, my the, the real pressing issue at the moment because um, they. Well, a lot of them. I always refer back to a guy called Craig that, that's worked for us for a long time. He's been like 20, 20 odd years being a, an amazing technician um, within the, the back line of, of, of what we do for event. And now it's gone from not having any work and he's an absolute master of what he does. And there's no way he can retrain in no time soon anyway. And of course, I don't know if you've seen all these retrain options on the, on the Gov website, which are borderline. Areas, but um, but yeah, it's been it's been turbulent at best. Yusuf, again, you know, prevalent in, in Liverpool for so many years. It, it, it's it's so sad to see the city missing out on, on the art and cultural side and the big events that were famous for putting on the club nights, the festivals, the big kind of cultural celebrations. It, it's been a sad year in, in that respect, hasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's no secret that music in Liverpool is its absolute heartbeat, and it has been for you know for its for a hundred years, I guess now, and you know, for for that to be to be ripped away, it's um, it, it's devastating, like emotionally, uh, financially, physically, socially, all the all the all these things. And um, you know, of course, the buoyancy will will will, will never go as such. You know, and that energy to want to kind of socialise and communicate will always be there. But um, in terms of people, feel a little bit lost and a bit disenchanted by what's happening now and you know of course another concern is of course circus and all the other major events in the city we are such a um, a tight ship with the, the security uh, and everything that we do is is second to none even even nationwide but what's happening is a lot of the kind of younger people not necessarily in the Liverpool region but nationwide there's many of uh, parties that are happening now which are only going to um, cause the infection rate to kind of continue and I've, I've kind of tried to implore people not to kind of take part in them and I've never been one and, and I don't know much you about them but we'll bring, we'll bring in Joe on, on this just to give some advice on that point but also to talk about, about you know uh, culture, music and art in the city Joe what's your response, response to Youssef? Well, look, I, I, you know, you can tell how passionate Youssef is about, about you know, what he does, but also uh, about the arts and cultural sector. And, and you know, on many, many occasions, you, people in this city have heard me talk about how important the arts and cultural sector is to our city, not just for, you know, people in, in terms of socialising and doing things, but, you know, the, the, the economic draw that it is. And I've classed it and said many times, it's the rocket fuel for our economy. 
38,000 people employed in the sector in Liverpool alone. It's worth £100 million a year in business rates to us. And if we start losing businesses in that sector, you know, it's exactly the thing that punishes and hates us and harms us. And so, you know, it's, it's, had, it's heartbreaking to watch and to see and to hear and to listen to Yusuf, but other people talking about, you know, the, the, the serious problems that they face. And, and, you know, I, I, I come back to the, the, this point about, you know, what we can and what we can't do. And it comes back to Yusuf's point about the spread of the virus and, and you know, our arguments that we put forward about pubs, you know, to think we, that we didn't defend or say that many of our pubs and establishments were COVID safe and invested lots of money. Don't forget, it was me. It was me. It was my idea that we created without walls and give uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds to our businesses, our pubs, our bars to create extra space for people because we wanted to keep them going. It's me that's put the 10 million package from Liverpool into the city region to help our businesses here. We want to support them businesses to stay here. We want to protect them and we want uh, we want them to remain and bring in people in, into the city because it's not just now. It's important that we we keep a, a sense of perspective on, on, on this as well because we want to come out of this and hopefully we'll be able to come out of it really quickly and then carry on, you know, and, and have we, hopefully have a vibrant city again heading towards Christmas, maybe not as vibrant as we, like, we would like because it's never going to be the same until, you know, we get this virus really under control. But at least we can look forward to to Christmas, and and I think you know that's the, it's a similar point here. It's a similar point that I make in terms of like uh, the gymnasiums and and how important they are to us. You know, we've got lifestyle gyms across the city. The very idea that I would, would want our gyms to close when they bring in a revenue for us is patently nonsense. Like turkeys voting for Christmas, and that's why you know, we don't want any damage done to our sector in the, the hospitality sector, because we know people lose their jobs. Then we have to support them. Then we lose business rates that can't pay for the services that we require. So it's devastating for us all at this minute. But I'm confident that you know we'll get through it, and I'm confident that we'll come back fighting. Uh, I'll just bring in Fiona Joe straight away for this one. As I say, we'll try and get through as many as we can in this, this last 10 minutes. Uh, Fiona, we got a question. We've got a few questions, actually, about shielding um, and what the next phase is with shielding. Should people stay at home if they, if they are vulnerable? What, how is it going to work in terms of this next Tier 3 lockdown? So we just this afternoon got some more um, up-to-date advice from um, the government on shielding. And what we realised from last time, I think it was really important for people to shield last time because we didn't really know what we were dealing with and the situation was was quite out of control. Um, but we know that that had quite a negative impact on people's mental health and well-being as well. So the new guidance is aimed at keeping people safe, but not being quite as restrictive. So we are not telling people to completely shut themselves away again this time. So for Liverpool, where we are in the very high risk area, we are telling people to stay at home as much as possible and to avoid um, their, reduce their social contacts as much as possible. So get somebody else to do your shopping and get them to pick up your prescriptions. And that those the NHS volunteer service is still available to support people to do that. 
But at the same time, we are saying to them, go outside, get some fresh air, get some exercise, um, see your family outside, um, socially distance, be really careful about, it's that boring message, but it's so important about washing your hands, socially distancing and wearing your face masks. Um, We will be getting in touch with shielded patients with more information we'll be putting out. But as I say, it only came in this afternoon. So the health and social care are working together on that one more info to come on that Uh, while while you're here Fiona another question from Paul a few questions on on face coverings people still aren't wearing them I tell you what Fiona could you just go through the actual science behind face coverings and why they are so effective in fighting this virus so it's, it's not actually, I mean, there is science behind it, but it's not massively complicated. You can, you will, everyone will have seen what happens when somebody coughs and doesn't put their hand over their mouth. You can see it going everywhere. And um, so we know that face coverings reduce the spread. They reduce the number of droplets that come out. Um, it's a bit gross, really. But, you know, when people cough and sneeze, they splutter and face masks reduce that. They stop the droplets from landing on surfaces that somebody else might then go and touch. Um, but it's really important that you don't wear your mask under here because it collects germs and then you lift it up and you put it over your face. And, you know, that's worse than almost almost worse than not wearing it at all. Likewise, under here, that's not going to work because it comes out of your nose as well. So we need people to cover their mouth and nose with the face masks and wear them wherever they think that they cannot safely socially distance and in any public places. Okay, Dr. Fiona Lemons, thank you. Uh, A couple of questions for Paul, if that's okay, Paul. Uh, We've had Kev on. Kev is a cabbie in Liverpool. Will there be more support for taxi drivers within the city? We'll bring Joe into into this as well. I think think it depends on on what's available from from central government and and, and how much much money there is to go around. As I say, we've... You know, local leaders have uh, have been in a very difficult negotiating position. You know, if if you can describe it as a negotiation negotiating position at all, um, there's clearly a lot of uh, a lot of individual businesses who are looking for for support. We touched on the self-employed air, earlier as well, and taxi drivers come right into it. It's part of the ecosystem that makes up uh, makes up our, our our local economy, and any any support that can be provided is really important. Whether it will be forthcoming is dependent on, upon what what kind of uh, what kind of money is available to to, to throw into the mix. Um, as I said earlier, the government scheme that's been announced barely touches the sides for for individual businesses, so it's very difficult to enable sufficient finance at scale to sustain uh, the, the the amount of uh, the amount of jobs that we, that we need to try and sustain. So look, it's it's a really difficult question to answer in all honesty, um, but you know. We hope that we'll be able to find some additional money through uh, from central government uh, to to help support this. But you know, I'm not holding my breath. Okay, Joe, do you want to respond to that as well, just on cabbies? And again, that that's self-employed. So many people affected by that. Yeah, we are. I'm, I'm, I've asked some questions today about the uh, what we can do to support cab drivers. Clearly, the the amount of money that we we've, we've got the forty million, but also. Um, you know what the governments are, are allowing us to have to uh, see if we can use it in some ways will determine how far we can actually go. But I'm very, very 
uh, aware and conscious of how difficult it is for cab drivers, especially with the restaurants and the bars and the you know the venues closed and stuff. How difficult it is! You can't go into the city centre to pick up people if people aren't going into the city centre. So I get that, and we will come back probably within the next few days before the end of the week and, and, and announce what what measures we can uh, put in place to try and support different different types of businesses and different businesses and different people. Joe, what's next? We've had, we've had a few questions on this. How does Liverpool come out of, of this tier three? Uh, it's a month long until, until a decision is made by central government. Just explain to us how we get down to tier two. Well, we're placed in, in, in tier three for six months. That's that's the, uh, the position, but it's reviewed every month. Um, now, governments have said within the legislation that uh, local authorities like me, like the council, can change some of these things. So we'll be looking very closely at the legislation to see what we can and what we can't do within that. So if we see improvements, for instance, that we'll be able to try to say, well, we can we can do this, we can do that. I think it's important as well, by the way, that the restaurants originally were in the full closure um, on, on Friday. And I said it's stupid madness and, and, and stuff in the same way we argued about having a tier structure for pubs. So we managed to force them to say, you know, accept that and go away and think about and on Saturday they come back and said restaurants can stay open until 10 o'clock but as I know that's not you know welcome in terms of because it's not going to help them survive but my point is is that we will have to see what it is governments say they will use in a transparent way whether it's the R rate whether it's infection rate whether it's hospital admission rates what it is they will use as a measure to say you come out of tier three I think it's very, very clear for me that if we get to the level where I see, for instance, Manchester, Nottingham or any of the others in this tier two measure because they're at that and we get to that, then we'll be demanding that we go back into tier two and remove some some of the measures. So we'll be monitoring it very, very closely, Jay, and seeing what happens. But there's no clarity around that yet. They're not giving us any science and they're not... Uh, you know, giving us any idea about what signs they will accept to reduce the, the tiers down to tier two. Could any within this change, Joe, could we see gyms reopening? You know, there's a petition online today, 60,000 already signed. I know you were, as you mentioned before, four gyms staying open. Could they do a U-turn on that? Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, we, we've, got to, we've got to be convincing them or trying to convince them that, that, you know, it, it, it is not reasonable to continue to, to, to do things. Uh, as I've just said to you, you know, at the very beginning, they said that no schools, no uh, universities, no higher education, no retail, um, and they can't stop people walking about the street. So that's 75% hospitality, including those areas, the gyms, the pubs, the casinos, the bootmakers was what they were closing. And um, it's our, you know, we will continue to argue that we believe that it's safe, uh, you know, for them to operate, providing the following the COVID safe instructions, which they have been, uh, then, you know, we will continue to argue that point. But at the minute, it's their decision and we've got to try and convince them that they should change it. Okay. Listen, it's been a great, that hour has gone already. Can you believe it? So many questions still coming in. Uh, you can continue to send them. You can also head to liverpoolexpress.co.uk uh, to get a full list of Q&As and, and facts, all the information you need there about this tighter restrictions. Jay what, Jay, what, Jay, what we will do is with the questions, hopefully if people keep sending them in, 
we'll try and get you know all all sorts of composited and looked at, see where they're similar, and we'll try and get a, a, a frequently asked questions, a sort of response to some of those questions tomorrow. We'll see if we can get that done so people can see at least they're getting a response to the questions. I just want to thank everybody for submitting them, and I do wish we had a little bit more time, and maybe we might do it next week or whatever. We'll see. No, brilliant. Listen, Mayor of Liverpool, Joe Anderson, thank you so much. Um, again, check out that website. You can watch this back from nine o'clock this evening. A huge thanks to all of our guests, to, to Youssef, uh, to Paul from the Liverpool Chamber of Commerce, Dr. Fiona Lemons, and also Natalie from Leaf as well. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, keep the questions coming. You can watch it back after 9pm. And again, thank you to Liverpool City Council and Mayor Joe Anderson. We're going to leave you now with a really important message. Please, please watch this. Take note. It's from the Director of Public Health in Liverpool, Mr Matt Ashton. This is a really challenging time for all of us right now, but right at the heart of this is the need for us all to play our part in keeping the levels of the virus low in our community. And the way we can do that is by practicing good hand hygiene, by keeping our distance from anybody outside of our household or social bubble, by wearing face coverings when it's appropriate to do so, by getting tested if we've got symptoms of coronavirus, and by self-isolating if we're instructed to do so. And if we all do that and help our friends, our families, our loved ones, our workplaces and our businesses to do the same, then that will help us keep the levels of the virus low, it will help protect this city and it will help us all recover a lot quicker than we otherwise would have done so. Thank you.